Listen to the, the, the profound wisdom of Ben Sirach that we heard this morning. Oh, my, my child, conduct your affairs with humility. Humble yourself the, the more greater you are. This is to underline this, this great dictum. And it really is a great dictum. Humility is truth. The difficulty is we, as, uh, as we once told, we, we can't handle the truth. So we have a hard time with humility. Instead we sing, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in so many ways. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. Let me tell you why. It really is hard to be humble. I and mean, it really is hard to be humble. You know, we, we call this the age of anxiety in many ways that it is, but this truly is the golden age of narcissism. We, we really are being taught by the culture in which we live and the culture in which we swim to look inside that beautiful pond at the flower that we are and just get so caught up in our own outer beauty that we miss what's really going on, the inner truth. We are told that deep down, all we need to do is be superficial. Uh, deep down inside, all we need to do is look good. Uh, when Ed Koch was the mayor of New York, he used to go around saying, how am I doing? How am I looking? You look short and bald. That's how you look. But what he really wanted to know was, how was he coming across? How was he being perceived? We, we have such a, a, a difficult time not being perceived in the image that, well, it's really been created for us. It's not our image. It's the image that our society has, has given to us, and we are so obsessed with the external self, the projected self, the person I want you to see, that hides what's really inside, and that's the sin. It hides what really is deep, where the truth comes forth from those who have the wisdom to be humble. And, and I, I feel so really sad, especially for our young people today who are so caught up in the social media that will tell them exactly how they are to behave, how they are to look. They Photoshop their pictures so that they look absolutely perfect. And, 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 and if a young girl goes on Facebook and she doesn't get enough likes, she stands there depressed forever. And it really is not just our dilemma here. It's a worldwide dilemma. I remember reading a couple of years ago about a, a chef in France who lost one Michelin star and committed suicide. And, and, and we, we, we go, what's going on here? How in the world could that be such an incredibly powerful influence on us. And I think it is because we are truly victims of a culture of, of egoic madness. Uh, and, and, and of course, the great reality about the, the ego is that it doesn't exist. 
The ego is, is who the culture tells us we're supposed to be, who our religion tells us we're supposed to be, who, our, uh, who, who the media tells us we're supposed to be, and then we have to continue to project that out. And deep inside, we miss who we truly are. And we know that Merton called that the, the false self, the, the egoic self. And the sad thing about it, the biggest saddest thing about it, is that it really doesn't exist. It's all in our mind. We create it in, in our mind. As someone once says that when you, when you go to heaven, there's going to be very little of you there, which means the egoic self, as William McNamara says, isn't there. There isn't one ego in heaven. What's there? What's there? Not the little fragile self that we continue to protect because it is so fragile. And as soon as it gets attacked, we double down and we attack back and we become everything that we hate. That's not what's really there. What's really there? And this is the great secret, I think, that, that eludes us. What's really there is what, what Merton went on to call the true self. The true self. The, the real self. Who we are in God and God in us. And it doesn't need to be protected. Because it, 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 it doesn't have to do anything. It is. It is sacred. It is holy. It is a reflection of the divine that dwells in each and every one of us. But we're so caught up with the external that we can't see what's internally ours. And so Jesus is telling this little story about stop jockeying for position. Stop trying to get that first place. I, I'm beginning to believe that the majority of wars, uh, pain of the world, especially pains in a relationship, is because we always want to be in the one-up position. And when we are in the one-up position, then we have to prove that we are better than, better than the other race, better than the other religion, better than the other country. The war that's going on in the Ukraine right now is a real example of We've got to be better then. And, and now we're at a stalemate, and it just seems like it's going to be going on and on and on. And when does it end? And Jesus said it ends when we are willing to take that one-step-down position. And so he's encouraging everybody to go to the, to the lower place. Uh, who picked up on that really magnificently was Ignatius Loyola. You know, he really was a, a dandy when he was a young soldier and he dressed well and he spoke well and everything was about the appearance of who he was until he came to that wall and we all come to that wall sooner or later and we say what are we doing this isn't me and somewhere along the line he felt that that really wasn't him so he went into the cave and they say in the cave that his fingernails grew and his beard grew and that he became unsightly and ungodly and, and they said what are you doing and he responded, I'm learning to become detached. And the Ignatian spiritual exercise come from the idea of being detached from the egoic self of who we think we are and who we want to project to each other. And then he gave some exercises as to how to become detached from ourselves. He called it agire contra. You do exactly the opposite of what you're obsession is, what your addiction is. If you are obsessed with food, then you fast. If you are obsessed with drink, then you abstain. 
If you're obsessed with power, then you let go. If you're obsessed with money, if you hoard. You know, Jesus had no problem with money. He had great problems with hoarding it. Matter of fact, he called the one who hoarded a fool. If we're obsessed with that, then we have to let it go. And, and it, it is a, an exercise that is not easy, especially when we get ourselves caught in the addictions that we think we can't live without. And yet, what's really deep inside is that which we really can't live without. And that is the presence of the divine that never leaves, that always lifts. But we've got to go down to come up. And Jesus then turned to the, and I like this part of the, of the, of the gospel, to the one who invited everybody over those who were all jockeying for position. He says, now when you, when you give a uh, banquet, you invited all the wrong people. And when you give a banquet, you, you, you need to invite those who cannot repay. In another lifetime, I was the pastor of St. Anne Parish in Oswego. And Oswego was not far from Yorkville where the volunteer missionaries were. And Edwina Gately was there at the time. And from time to time, they would invite me over to say Mass as, as long as I got my pronouns correct. Yeah. And, and I did. That was, even, that was back in the 70s or early 80s. And, 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 and I, we, had a, we struck up a relationship. It was a pretty good relationship. And she had an idea. And I said, okay, let's go with it. So I went to our, the local CCW of my parish, which is a pretty upper-middle-class parish. And I says, I'm told some exquisite people are coming to the VMMs for a very important banquet. And I'd like for you to put the banquet on. I want you to find the best foods that will, the parish will pay for it. I want you to find the very best foods you can afford, that we can buy. And I want, you know, and, and they did. I mean, they really did. I didn't tell them what was going on. They, they did. They had beef wellington and they had lobster bisque. It was, it, and, and the tables were set exquisitely and there was cloth napkins and real chinaware that they brought in. And then Edwina went and got the guests. At that time, Edwina was working in Chicago, in the middle of a, a slum with prostitutes and homeless people and those who were bag ladies. And she said, uh, we're going to go on a, a field trip. You want to go? Put them on the bus. Now, our women at St. Anne's had no idea who was coming. All they know is that they were going to be very, very important. I told them they were members of the hierarchy of the church. Well, they were. And they came. And I got to tell you, it, it was pure, unadulterated grace. Once they got over the shock of the bag ladies coming in and, 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 and all, all the, and it, it was just amazing. And we sat them at table, and they waited on them. And then they sat down in court, so you all shared dessert together, and the conversation was magic. It was powerful. They could not repay. But oh, were we repaid. Oh, not just in the resurrection of the just or the righteous. Right here, right now. And that's a secret that you all know, that the sisters certainly know. And that when we do that for the least of the sisters and brothers, we're doing it for him. And that, at that point, we come to the great realization 
We're not better than that. We're not better than they are. We may have been given more opportunities. We may have some more stuff, but we're not better than. We're one with. And when we are one with, that's all we need to be.